Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. 133 in Edmonton. It's Brendan Escott here for Bob Stoffer today. A couple people pointing out on the text line, Poyarvi would have to clear waivers in order to play in Bakersfield next year. So that is a good point. I did not acknowledge that. So appreciate you uh, calling me out on that one. So that, that does make it different because do you, do you want him playing on the fourth line? Again, I think it really it really matters the the kind of situation that you put in him in in order for him to succeed. Because if he's on the fourth line playing with a center who's not helping him out very much, if if the expectation is that he's going to be a defense first player, then in all likelihood, I don't know that we're going to see the best of Jesse Pugliarvi. So they're going to have an interesting decision to make. And uh, we'll, we'll have to see what his recovery from surgery looks like over the summer as well. Uh, we do want to talk about a defense prospect for the Edmonton Oilers. Dmitry Samarukov, has, uh, he was a third-round pick in 2017, and he was uh, spectacular. I, you know what? I'm going to double-check on that. He might have been a second-round pick. Either way, outside the first round, looks like the Oilers have uh, absolutely found a player here in Samarukov. It's been a remarkable season and, uh, and a playoff run for a defenseman that has been unrivaled uh, for quite some time since Ryan Ellis put up 33, Samarukov uh, with 28 points over the course of these playoffs. And it's been an excellent run for him. They just knocked off the Ottawa 67s in uh, Game 6 of the OHL Finals, so they're off to the Memorial Cup. Here to talk about that on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline is A.J. Jakubek from the 67s. He is the voice of the team. He saw this whole series, and that's where we'll start, A.J. Just uh, sort of walk me through what was uh, an absolute barn burner and a remarkable run for uh, both the Guelph Storm and the Ottawa 67s. Yeah, I mean, crazy run, uh, you know, for both of these teams, the 67s and the Storm. From a 67 standpoint, uh, they start the playoffs 14-0, and which has only happened twice in CHL history, uh, both in the QMJHL, that Halifax team six years ago that had Nathan McKinnon and Jonathan Drouet on it uh, and ended up winning the Memorial Cup. Uh, that's a team that started 14-0, and lost their 15th game, and then won their last two. Uh, to reach the Memorial Cup before winning it. And there's actually a, a team, the old Hull Olympiques, now Gatineau, of course, across the river from us. Uh, back in, in the mid-80s, in 1986, coached by Pat Burns, Luke Robitaille was on the team, uh, amongst many others, Stefan Matos, Sylvain Cote, Guy Rouleau at 191 points. Uh, they went 15-0 and right through the playoffs. That's back when they played best of nines. I know they used to do that in the Western Hockey League and the Western Conference, which seems insane, but uh, they swept all three of their uh, series back then and finished uh, 15-0 and in the playoffs. So Ottawa rolls. They go 14-0 and in the playoffs. And, and the last 10 of those games are all uh, against teams that were 90-plus point teams. Sudbury in round two, Oshawa in round three, and, and then, uh, you know, Guelph in the OHL final. And you just wonder if maybe they needed to face uh, – you know, a little bit more adversity. You win all those games, and all of a sudden you lose one. Um, boom, all of a sudden uh, things can change in a hurry, especially in junior hockey. But in the end, I do think the better team won. Uh, you know, Guelph had a real tough road. They're a number four seed here. 
but they loaded up at the deadline. And to me, they were the most talented team in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, they, were, uh, they had 15 guys that attended NHL camps, 11 that were drafted, five world junior players. Um, I, I think they had eight to 10 guys that can step into the American Hockey League tomorrow and a couple of guys that look like they're not far off from being NHL players. And, you know, one of those, I'm sure, is why you want to talk to me today and, and Dmitry Samarukov, Nick Suzuki as well. To me, they're 1-1A, one and one A, uh, the, the best players uh, throughout the playoffs and the best player uh, players in this series uh, against the 67. So, uh, in the end, Guelph, hey, good on them. Uh, uh, you know, they did it the hard way, down 3 nothing against London, down 3-1 against Saginaw, down 2 nothing against Ottawa, and found a way to win. But this is a very good team. I've been doing major junior hockey since 2000, and, you know, this and, and watching it for a lot longer than that. But watching this team up close, it's as good a junior hockey team as, as I've seen in terms of the talent level. So when they, when they raise their gear, uh, I'm not sure Ottawa could match it, especially with their best players. And, uh, you know, Guelph's a, a deserving OHL champ. Uh, we'll get to Sam Rukov in a second here, AJ. But was would you say that one of the turning points in this series was the injury to Michael DiPietro for the 67s in net? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, that, that was the one true advantage that the 67s had on Guelph. Um, Cedric Andre had a terrific season. Uh, he went from one... OHL win uh, as a 17-year-old, winning 34 games this year. But, you know, they wanted to go out and get a guy that just had the experience. And with DiPietro, he'd never won a playoff series, but he'd won a Memorial Cup. He'd been pretty much the best goaltender in the OHL the last four years, or certainly one of a handful in that category, right from the time he was 16 years old in the league. That's how good Di Pietro was, and of course, just playing on that big stage of the World Juniors, you have, uh, you know, you're, you're battle tested a little bit more in terms of, you know, playing in, in big pressure type games. So um, Cedric Andre wasn't the reason they lost. I, I, I think the goaltending matchup was even after Andre came in, and he actually uh, won them game number two, especially in the third period with a couple of real highlight real stops uh, but in the end they probably needed somebody to steal a game or two against Guelph given how good they are and how talented they are and uh, they weren't able to accomplish that so uh, I, I don't know if it was a turning point in the series I don't know if things would have been different or things would have changed in, in the end Guelph was so good but no question that that took away Ottawa's advantage in the series but because I think when you looked at at forwards and defense uh, it was either even or, or, or give the edge, especially on the blue line, I, I think, uh, to the Guelph Storm. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's the end of it. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's one of those what-ifs that, you know, a lot of people will, will always think of, especially because DiPietro, in the games that he started, right, they, they finished 14-0, and, and, and that's really unfair to Cedric Andre. Um, but uh, in the end, I'm not sure uh, anything was going to be uh, enough to – to stop the, the steamrolling uh, situation that, that Guelph had going on. And for those, we're talk, talking right now with uh, A.J. Jakubek from the Ottawa 67s who just were ousted from the OHL finals by Dmitry Samarukov's Guelph Storm. Um, you talked about some of the pro-ready guys. Obviously, Samarukov is who we really want to talk with you about. Um, this isn't the first year that you've called him, but he has absolutely exploded uh, and, and offensively, especially in the playoffs. We're talking about the second highest point total, A.J., in the playoffs since Ryan Ellis did it back in 2010. 
I didn't expect this out of Sam Rukov. When you watch him out on the ice, what do you see in him as a player? Oh, I really like him. I, I really like him. He's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and, you know, whether it's coincidence or not, I mean, I think the two best defensemen in the Ontario Hockey League are certainly the two guys that uh, look like they're going to have the best careers, you know, because there's guys that are good juniors, right? But the guys that look like they're going to be the two best players uh, on the back end from, from the OHL right now are, are both Oilers' property, and that's Evan Bouchard and, and Dmitry Samarukov. And, and so uh, for a team that, uh, you know, as uh, I've been following the Oilers all my life, grew up there. So, um, you know, that's been an area of need for, for so long. And to have two guys that, that uh, you know, look like the real deal, look like guys that, uh, you know, are, are not too far away from stepping in and, and making an impact. You never know how guys are going to respond at the next level. There's certain guys that play better, for example, in the NHL than they do in the AHL just because of the chaotic nature sometimes of, of the way games go down there. It's it's strange to see sometimes, but that that's the way it is. But, you know, I, I think when you look at Sam Rukov, he, he thinks the game so well. And he just does everything well. He moves the puck well. He's got a, a cannon for a shot. He can, he, he can certainly uh, add a little bit of offense. I mean, I don't know what his point totals are going to be when he eventually gets to the National Hockey League. I just know he looks like a top four defenseman. And there's not too many guys that you watch in junior that you kind of think, okay, um, you know, like you, you can kind of tell the difference between a guy who's going to be a good junior and and a guy that uh, that that looks like he's the total package. And you know, when when he was on the ice against the Ottawa 67s, I mean, I, I wish they had possession numbers in the OHL, but uh, his, his possession numbers would be off the charts good. I know it was a plus in every game, even when they lost 7-2. Uh, it's not the greatest stat, but it still tells you something that, you know, even when they were losing, he, he was uh, on the plus side of the ledger. So Ottawa just didn't get a sniff uh, too often when he was on the ice. Uh, when When they were flipping it through the neutral zone, Usually it was locating the puck, quick play, quick D to D, quick pass, quick transition, um, and, and off Guelph goes, right? So uh, the reality was Ottawa was just spending way too much time in their own end when Sam Arukov was on the ice. And while maybe he didn't have the big offensive totals that Nick Suzuki did uh, until the last game of the series when he picked up four points, he finished with seven points in the series, but uh, three assists prior to that in the first five games, I think he impacted the series every bit as much as Suzuki did. So uh, to me, they were one and one a in guys that uh, uh, were worthy MVP candidates for the storm. And, and, you know, amidst a team with a lot of players that, that look like they're going to be good pros, um, you know, whether it's Isaac Ratcliffe, Nate Schnarr, Alexi Torupchenko, um, you know, Sean Dersey, so on and so forth. Um, this, this is uh, this is a guy Mackenzie Entwistle in there as well, world junior player. Um, you, know, you never know which one of these guys are going to be NHLers, which one of these guys are going to be AHLers. They're all going to be good pros at the very least. But uh, with Suzuki and Sam Rukov, I, I think we know for sure that both these guys are eventually going to be National Hockey League players, and they both have a chance to be real good National Hockey League players. So certainly uh, a player to be excited about if you're an Oiler fan. We'll give you one more here, AJ, as we're joined on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline by AJ Jakubek. He's the 
uh, voice of the Ottawa 67s, <clears throat> pardon me, who uh, were just ousted by Dmitry Samarukov's Guelph Storm. Heading into the Memorial Cup, which is right around the corner now, we know we're going to see even more of Samarukov, and it's going to be a chance for Oilers fans who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to see Samarukov play. What kinds of things should they be looking for in his game when they when they get to see him play for the first time? What can they expect? I think just, uh, again, a guy that... Uh, is he's not going to try and do too much. That 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 to me is what what I really like about him because some guys at this level, if they're really good, maybe try to to do a little bit too much. Try that extra move, that extra toe drag, that extra uh, you know rush up the ice when maybe they they shouldn't be. And, and to me, he just always seems to make the right play. And you know that that's kind of an underrated skill. So you, you can always teach guys to you know, not do that. But, you know, to me, that's why I think, you know, he's going to translate into a good pro sooner rather than later is just the fact that he, he's, he's not going to go and try and go coast to coast. He's going to, you know, and it helps when you got good teammates, right? I mean, maybe it's a different story if he's playing on a bottom end team in the OHL, but um, he, he's playing on a real good team and he lets the puck do the work for him. He, he's got a real good partner in Sean Dersey and, you know, they, uh, they, they really feed off one another. Uh, so, you know, he's not afraid to get his nose dirty. I, I like his compete level as well. I mean, uh, threw some big hits in the series and, you know, won't shy away from going and getting the puck first when guys are bearing down on the forecheck as well. So, to me, just, uh, you know, a complete defenseman. That, that's that's what I see when I watch Dmitry Samarukov. And, um, again, I, I think uh, if he plays the way he did, you know, throughout the playoffs and certainly in the OHL final, I think Oilers fans uh, are going to be very excited about what they see. Again, 10 goals, 18 assists for 28 points. The most by a defenseman in the OHL playoffs since uh, Ryan Ellis put up 33 back in 2010. AJ, thank you so much for the time today, my friend, and we'll connect soon, okay? All right, cheers, my pleasure. That is the voice of the Ottawa 67's AJ Jakovic. And you talk about the playoff production. Well, the production there for Samarukov, it was there all season. 59 games in the regular season for the Guelph Storm. 45 points. So he uh, he actually matched his regular season goal total of 10 in the playoffs. 10 more. Brendan Escott here in for Bob Stoffer. It's 147 in Edmonton. We'll be back momentarily to wrap up the show on Oilers Now. This is Milan Lucic from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Ched. Brendan S. got in today, all week actually. Bob Stoffer uh, is off. I'm not sure if this is the annual Disneyland trip, but he's not in town. Though I'm sure he's got his ears on the show. Hey, a late-breaking piece of news here out of uh, Anaheim. Ryan Kessler undergoing successful right hip resurfacing surgery. Uh, last week leaves open the possibility he could resume his NHL career, but I also read a report saying he will for sure miss all of next year. Kessler's getting up there. Uh, I know he's not very well liked in Edmonton or perhaps anywhere around the league, but uh, tough to see a career end that way uh, for injuries if that ultimately does happen for Ryan Kessler. Uh, 4-4 is now the score between uh, Canada and... And the Slovaks, who I see have their goaltender, oh, they just made a goaltending change as we speak. Um, wild second period as well. Ladislav Nagy and Adam Liska picking up goals for the Slovaks. Jonathan Marcheseau and Anthony Shirelli answering for Team Canada, who uh, need to, to really cement themselves with a win against a good team here rather than just beating uh, Great Britain 8 nothing. 
What's your take on that, by the way? You can text me this at 6.30, 6.30. Maybe we'll continue this conversation tomorrow as well. But to have these teams playing at the World Hockey Championship that you wouldn't otherwise even know had a national hockey program, is that good for the game to watch Canada beat on them 8-0 every time out? Let me know what you think. 6.30, 6.30. Out of Calgary, Ryan says, uh, has Todd Nelson ever coached a superstar? No. Never in the playoffs? No. Built a team up? No. So why hire him? Apparently, Holland is that stupid, according to Ryan. Well, (laughs) here's the thing, is not only is that relationship already there, Todd Nelson has not been given a coaching job in the National Hockey League, a head coaching job, other than his stint with the Oilers, as far as I can understand it. So, you don't know what it's like with him coaching a superstar. I don't imagine a player like Connor McDavid needs much coaching. Is that fair to say, or am I way out of left field? He knows, like, obviously you put a system in place, but how much more are you milking out of a player of that caliber? So, not sure what Ryan's getting at there, but, uh, you know, overarching, yeah, Todd Nelson's resume is a lot more blank than others out there. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Burton Edmonton says that was a great get for the interview talking about AJ Jakubic not a homer promoting their own can't help but feel optimistic about Samarukov and Bush and the future of the Oilers defense it's kind of been a recurring theme on today's show hasn't it the Oilers like Bouchard I know there's questions about his foot speed I think he could use a little more seasoning in the minor leagues next year but that's a player right there and you heard uh, somebody in AJ Jakubic who's followed that league all year long saying those are the two best defenders in the OHL whether they pan out or not remains to be seen of course a lot can happen but on paper they're set up better on the back end than uh, they have been in a number of years out of Edmonton this says uh Jesse could not play for Todd or Hitchcock. Maybe it's the player. That's certainly one school of thought. But again, set him up for success and you never know what might happen. A Royal Pizza is pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Escott recommendation... Meat Lovers is pretty darn good. i got to agree with Wilkie on that one. Reed Wilkins now back with Inside Sports tonight. After a lengthy vacation out in Ontario, you know, we played a little golf. I'm sure he'll fill you in on that. Uh, How about this day in Oilers history, shall we, before we get back to a couple more texts? Back in 1987, Glenn Anderson has five assists as the Oilers rally from a 3-1 second period deficit to beat the Detroit Red Wings 6-3 at Northlands. Kent Nielsen had two goals and two assists, and Marc Messier picked up a pair of goals as well. The Oilers won the Campbell Conference Final four games to one. It is unbelievable to look back at the lineup that that team had. And they all came out of the same couple of draft years. Will Holland get real hockey ops autonomy or is there still treehouse rules, says a texture out of Edmonton. They have been very, very pointed in saying that this is Holland's team. Because he comes from outside of the stereotypical boys club, as the fans like to say. I don't think Holland would have taken this job under any other circumstances than him having full autonomy. Don't be scared off by the fact that nothing's happened yet either. As John Shannon kind of hammered home earlier in the show, he has been on the job for less than a week and has spent most of that time scouting the Bakersfield Condors. So as far as personnel movement, 
Pump the brakes. Be patient. And we'll see. But no doubt in my mind, there's going to be some change. Why does Pugliarvi keep come up in uh, Carolina trade rumors? Is it because of all the current Finns on the roster? I'd like to see him swap for 2016 draft pick, right wing Julian Gauthier, 6'4", 225 in Rockford. I know Gauthier had a pretty good junior career. I haven't seen what he's done in the AHL, to be honest. But yeah, I think it's suffice to say that Pugliarvi comes up with Carolina because Sebastian Ajo is there. They were teammates of the World Juniors. Uh, one of the better World Junior teams that we've ever seen assembled, by the way. So I would imagine that. Not only that, but they have enough play uh, in terms of their defense that they, that's where the genesis of that came in. The Oilers swap Pugliarvi for one of these defenders like Slavin or, or uh, whomever, or even Justin Falk. We're pretty much done here, aren't we, folks? But I'll tell you what else is coming up tonight on 6.30, Chad. As I mentioned, Reed Wilkins is back, 6 to 7 p.m. Blues Sharks take over at 7 o'clock. You can hear that game. Uh, San Jose winning 6-3 in game one of that series. This is game two. How big of a return? How, how much is it meant to have Joe Pavelski back in that lineup for them? Timo Meyer, by the way, one of the best emerging young players in the league, quite possibly. Again, puck drop on 6.30, Chad, 7 o'clock tomorrow. Mark Spector for the horses. Horse Racing Alberta, who reminds you, the new Century Mile Racetrack and Casino is now open in Nisku. We'll also hear from Mike Ringrose. He's the head coach of the McEwen University Griffins men's hockey team. They're making the jump up to U-Sports competition in this, uh, not this upcoming season, but the following one. We'll see what that means to hockey uh, at that school. Always a pleasure. We'll do it again tomorrow. Brendan Escott here saying so long for the 630 Chet Studios. Up next, a news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 630 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet.